Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Kathy Perna. Kathy may not be a procurement professional in practice, but she is a critical member of our community and one that has been hard at work promoting networking and education for 30 years. First, as part of the National Association of Purchasing Managers, or NAPM, and now as the Executive Director of ISM New Jersey. So, hi, Kathy. Thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. So, I shared a very little bit of detail in my intro, but you've had 30 years, so I'm assuming there's a lot more you've been up to. What else would you like people to know about your background before we dig into our conversation today? Sure. Well, first of all, I do want to um, express my thanks for uh, bringing me on to the show today. Hope everybody... Uh, uh, is uh doesn't get bored with you know with my background because no. i am not a supply management uh, procurement person but um as far as my background i actually started after college at itt and that is now i believe uh l3 harris and i was actually that's uh the aerospace division so i was more administrative support at that point for about five years there then i had my children and then I started a part-time position with NAPM at the time, which uh, National Association of Purchasing Managers. And um, eventually I was uh, hired out to do it exclusively as the executive director. And then eventually we became Institute for Supply Management. And actually next March will be my 30th year in the organization. That is absolutely amazing. Um, and we'll have a, a chance as we go through our conversation to talk about, you know, some of the things that you've seen changed over the years. Um, but it, you know, even though you haven't worked as a procurement practitioner, I think it provides a really critical sense of continuity and commitment to the role to have you involved for so long. So I'm going to mark down March and I will get in touch next year and we will officially celebrate 30 years. I think that is an amazing milestone that very few other people in any role in procurement can actually have a claim to. Thank you so much. I mean, you know, it's, it's a joy. It's a joy doing my job. And honestly, I think you need to really enjoy what you do in order to stay in that particular role. I think you do too. And especially where all of us have gone through some type of reinvention, we could call it over the last couple of years. And I would venture to guess that any of the people listening in that do know you probably cross paths with you on LinkedIn because you are a very active supporter and even evangelist on the part of continuing education. You're always marketing an upcoming webinar, networking session, opportunity for people to learn. 
for people that haven't actually discovered any of that, what does your overall educational program look like? Okay, so I would say probably about 20 years ago is when we actually started, or I actually started within our organization doing webinars, maybe one per month type of thing. And then when the pandemic happened and everything stopped, I went to our executive board and I said, um, I think we really need to up the ante. I can actually put on more programs. So that's what I started doing. So I started the real program probably about March, 2020. And I did that because everybody in supply chain, well, most people in supply chain, a lot of them were working from home, working remotely. It was a different, totally different era that we're living in now. And I wanted to keep everybody engaged. It could be a member, you didn't have to be a member to join. So I wanted to make sure we just, you know, get our message out. We were communicating with them. Plus we get to hear from them and find out what their challenges are and their issues as well. So my program is, is I do about four to five webinars per month. And um, at the point right now, we do have about 12 ISM chapters that participate in our program. And I call it a partnership program because we collaborate together. Uh, people are always getting me, you know, finding speakers, they're finding topics, they're sending me stuff. I find stuff on LinkedIn all the time. I communicate with so many people on LinkedIn that the topics just seem to come to me at my laptop. And it's great. The community is really wonderful. And it's, it's been a joy doing it. And I really, really, truly enjoy getting these types of programs out to everybody in the community. Now, to that point about community, I think one of the great things about your program is that, as you mentioned, you welcome both your chapter's members as well as your partner chapter's members, and you welcome people that don't belong to any chapter or the National Institute for Supply Management. How would you say, maybe let me broaden it, any thoughts or observations about how professional networking, the association model itself, how trends have been changed because of the way we've all spent the last couple of years? Well, first of all, I'd like to say one thing as far as the non-members. The reason I welcome non-members, there's a lot of people out there that are not working. So we want to make sure those people stay engaged. It gives them a chance to then further network and then hopefully they can actually get that next position or that role that they're looking for. So that's the one reason that I always felt it was really, really important to include non-members. And hopefully, maybe they will even join our chapter or another chapter wherever they're located, because of course, all of our programs are all over the US. Sure. So, but I've actually seen a lot of changes, definitely as far as um, the networking piece, because um, things have do you want me to talk about how it's changed since uh, I started or? 
I, I absolutely. How, how have you maybe seen that change? And then if we could hit the last couple of years, because I think there probably has been sort of an acceleration of change in there, but absolutely. How have, how have you seen the association model and, and the networking that facilitates change in your 30 years? Well, in the beginning, when I first started, everything was in-person events. So you had to go to a venue in order to network. And I'll tell you, it was like fantastic. The number of members that were in these uh, these organizations networking, fantastic. There could be a hundred people or more at these events. And these are monthly meetings we're talking about where you would have two speakers. And then things sort of changed a little bit. The first change I really noticed was after 9-11 because there was a big drop in companies. Uh, that was the first time I actually remember the supply chain getting hit hmm. as much as, you know, that was the really first time because especially when we grounded all the flights, everything was like at a standstill. People couldn't even get home from, from that. So I remember that. I remember a lot of companies not surviving. So of course, membership at that point actually declined for us and for other chapters as well. But then the next change, of course, was at the pandemic. And that's when people weren't doing everything in person. Now we started having a virtual type of program where even our networking social hours were virtual. It was the only time we saw people was on a screen because we couldn't actually see people in person, you know, for that time. And I mean, the, the change as far as LinkedIn as well is because you had to network online and you had to find the right platform. For me, it was LinkedIn. I was on LinkedIn prior to that, but not like I am now. I mean, I make sure I go on there almost every single day just to check things out, just to see what the stories are, and also to more or less um, network with other people in supply chain. It's, I think it's just so really, really important to be active, to look at the different stories, share stories, things that interest you, share that to your community because that's really, really important. And the biggest thing is you have to stay active, especially in networking and especially on online networking, because you don't know when your next opportunity is going to be coming and you might have missed that by not being out there and connecting with, with others. So I really try to keep the network open. And, um, and that's how Kelly and I met. That's true. That is how we met. And I had the pleasure of speaking in one of your webinars. Um, it was, I will say it was a wonderful gathering of people. It was an excellent opportunity to share. And maybe the other thing that stands out about it in my own mind, when I compare it to some of the other events that I see listed, is that it wasn't a straight down the middle, oh, how to source or how to discover suppliers or how to manage contracts, communicate with, with stakeholders. It was a little bit more personal and outside the box. And I actually think if I'm correct, Kathy, that's sort of a core part of your philosophy when it 
comes to event topics. You don't necessarily hold yourself to the narrow traditional sense of what should be covered in procurement or supply management educational content. You take a broader approach than that, don't you? I certainly do. And you know what? I'll tell you, I started that in probably 2020. And I always felt that you have to have the soft skills. You have to have all those supply chain topics out there, definitely. But you also need to take care of yourself. You need those personal, well programs out there. So the first thing we did was um, we did one. There were so many people burning out in the very probably the first three, four months. So I brought in a speaker, Jessica, and she was from California doing the program for me. And she did a program just on burnout. We, you know, I was I was really surprised because we had a very, you know, didn't have as many involved participants as we do now. But we had about 50 people on that particular program uh, that attended. And it was really nice to see their questions. And it was nice for them to get the information because you never know if you have team members that are burning out. You can look for signs. So I always felt it was really important to incorporate uh, those personal well-being programs in addition to, as I said, the soft skills, communication skills, so forth, and also all the supply chain topics. And there's like a ton of those out there. But I always thought it was it was better to do that. What we do on our particular program is currently we have two different series. The one series that Kelly's referring to is our voice of supply chain. And that is great because it's a storytelling, but it's a storytelling for business so that you can actually see and hear the career path and journey of those people that are out there and um, and hear their story. You know, what were their challenges? How do they all go to uh, get their MBAs? If not, why? Do, are they certified? You know, they, there's so many different stories out there of the different career paths and a lot of people love listening to it. It's now on LinkedIn Live, so we actually have quite a large scale audience on this particular program. And then we do another one called Supply Chain Information Flow with our, our host is uh, David Johnson on that one. And that's tackling different program, different topics in a 45 minute program once a month. And then in September, we're going to be launching Voice of ERP. So that'll be another series that we're doing. And in addition to that, we do certification topics and many other ones, uh, including women in leadership topics and diversity topics as well. You know, it's it's interesting, Kathy, when you talk about reaching a very broad audience. And I could be wrong. I repeat myself sometimes, but I don't think I've actually shared this particular story with you. The interview that I did as part of the voice of supply chain that you had set up I believe afterwards it was available on YouTube. And for some reason, one of my mother's friends made the decision to try to understand what it is that I do. And that is the interview that she found. And I'm very much, I think, like other people in procurement supply chain, we know none of our family members want to listen to us talk about work. So I don't talk about work much, but that was a very personal interview and storytelling event. And 
She watched the whole thing and she went back to her mother and said, you need to watch this interview because one of the things that I spoke about that I don't think I've ever discussed in any other forum is that my maternal grandmother was an Avon lady. And it wasn't until I really went out on my own and started working independently, although it's still inside of procurement, that I recognized what an entrepreneur she was. And of course, by then she had passed away. It was, it was too late for me to have that conversation with her. But think about that. Someone that isn't in my generation, does not work in procurement supply chain, splits her year between Massachusetts and Puerto Rico, and yet your event reached her and created sort of a, a feedback loop within my family. Um, and so you, you really are, if engagement and bringing people into the fold, building community is core to your objectives, you are absolutely hitting the mark on that. Wow, that is fantastic. No, I have not heard this story. Oh, my goodness. So oh my first goodness. of all, all the other grandchildren and children of Avon ladies out there, you're in, you're in good company, right? Their, their spirit and, and tenacity and professionalism lives on. Um, but the other thing that I, I hear when you talk about your programs, Kathy, and it's very clearly evident in the sessions you put together, is that for not ever having worked as a procurement professional, you seem incredibly attuned to what we need to be successful, and you seem incredibly empathetic to the personal and professional journeys that people are going on. Do you build that sense of community, identify those needs, you know, kind of get that empathy from your LinkedIn and your networking time? Does it come from something else? Where do you draw from for that? Oh my gosh, you know, I don't, honestly, I don't know. I think it's, it could just be me. It could just be the way I am. I just feel that it's so important to make those relationships work. You know, um, I just, it's, it's just been one of my core things that I've tried to do in my, my work ethic all the time, but I didn't, you know, it's funny when someone puts it out there, you don't realize it. And you're like, do I do that? Do I really do that? Am I really reaching those amount of people? I'm just, you know, sometimes I'm just a little bit thrown back and I am right now. Well, we're grateful that you do the work that you do. And there are plenty of people that have benefited educationally. I love the fact that you prioritize people who are between roles right? Because there's always people that are transitioning from one job to another, whether by their own choice or, or some other set of circumstances. I think that's an important, it's an important thing to provide the community with. That's sort of the stickiness. It's not the fact that we all work similar jobs that binds us together. It's those shared experiences. It's the opportunity to forge connections and help people find the next role or help people find a supplier or information about diversity or learn from someone else's experience implementing an ERP system. And I actually think this provides a great transition to my favorite moment, which is the question where I get to ask you something that I put in front of everyone who joins me on The Sourcing Hero. And you have a choice here, Kathy. 
So Mm -hmm. I would like to know from you either, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? Or what do you think heroism looks like in a business context? You can, you can choose to answer either one of those. You know, I think a sourcing, you know, I was, you know, if you think over the last two years, we probably have had a ton of sourcing heroes. You know, let me just think on this one second. I was trying to think on this earlier because I know the, the format of the show. And this but is hard. And I've, so I've always acknowledged is. this is a, is. this is a really tough question. It is. It is. I mean, first of all, you think about all those in the medical profession who yes. are our sourcing heroes. Think of everybody in the hospital. We did one, one program. Uh, I also work for, I also do uh, Um, admin services for administrative services for two other chapters. So I did a program for another chapter about a year ago and they work for a hospital and to see everything that they had to do in the hospital, which would have been offices, office space and convert that into space where they had to actually find and source equipment to utilize in the hospital that they needed right away. We're talking bandages, we're talking, you know, anything that they needed for the surgical room. Lots, I mean, when you think about all those types of things back then that they had to do in split second time, probably within like 48 hours. Yeah, to me, it's amazing. And I think I've learned a lot over the years, over the last, especially more over the last two years, uh, especially about the global issues that are out there, the more of the economic issues that never really resonated probably with me with some of the other programs because we didn't really touch on it as much. But there are so many different types of heroes out there. I would say definitely everybody in that worked in the hospital, or of course, all those that dealt with the, um, um, for the, uh, um, Oh, I can't think of it now. No, sorry. My word is <laughs> leaving me right now. But um, everybody that is out there that has been sourcing. I mean, you've got you've, you've got people that are sourcing different types of uh, food particles as well, raw yes. materials for all our different things. And all the, the problems that we had out there as well as the, the, the shipping logistics as well. And you have to think about all those other people out there who are sourcing heroes that we may not recognize that are work in the warehouses as well. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of different sourcing heroes. I don't really consider myself one because I just feel like I'm just getting the message out to everybody else. And I love the fact that we can highlight uh, our sourcing heroes uh, to our ISM community and to all those other viewers out there who particularly watch our programs. Absolutely. And and certainly, I like the fact that this episode has given me an opportunity to introduce you to anybody who hasn't met you. But I also hope that people who are listening in will take active steps to join your community and benefit from the networking opportunities, from the educational events that you put on. 
What is the best way, Kathy, for people to either get in touch with you directly or is there a place that you would direct people to to see a lineup of upcoming events? Sure. Thank you so much for that, Kelly. I really appreciate that. I would say connect with me on LinkedIn, definitely, because I'm always out there and I'm always posting and um, I'm very visible out there. The other way is you could uh, go to our website, which is ismnj.org. And you can see our lineup of our programs that are coming up. And um, if you need to, you could always email me at info at ismnj.org. I am out there. I am a proponent of our chapters. And if there are, you want to connect with me, let me know of a topic that you're looking for. We can probably put that out there. Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. And thank you to the audience as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for the Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.